Welcome, this is Jessica Ortner and our time together is dedicated to feeling good within all of life's complexities. We'll be going on a wandering path, exploring topics like spirituality, productivity, and personal fulfillment. Because happiness is not a destination, it's an adventure. So welcome to Adventures in Happiness. Welcome, friends, to this new show. Have you ever had the experience where you just feel like you're on fire? You're getting things uh, checked off your to-do list. You feel motivated. You have a lot of energy. Then maybe a week or two passes, and suddenly you don't know where that mojo went. You're feeling tired. You're feeling unmotivated. You're dragging your feet. And uh, you're really struggling, and so you end up beating yourself up, wondering why you can't be motivated and energized 100% of the time. Well, I know that's an experience that I have gone through many times until I began to understand my moon cycle. When we begin to understand, and women, obviously, our menstrual cycle, we begin to notice the moments when we're more productive and moments when it's time to slow down and take care of ourselves. When we can have this knowledge of what is happening with our hormones, where we are on our cycle, and we use that knowledge with our calendar to schedule things, you will learn how to schedule your life in the best form to make sure you are ready and willing and great uh, when it comes to creating a future engagement. Men who are listening, yes, this is mostly targeted towards women, but it is very helpful because most of you have women in your life. So it's very helpful to understand this information and Latham really shares a lot of great gems in this interview. Let me tell you a little bit about my friend Latham. She's also known as Glow Maven, and she is a celebrity wellness lifestyle guru and birth doula who was named one of Oprah Winfrey's Super Soul 100 and one of Mind Body Green's Top 100 Women to Watch in Wellness. If you were on Alicia Keys' Instagram a few weeks ago, she promoted Latham's new book. Her new book is called Own Your Glow, A Soulful Guide to Luminous Living and Crowning the Queen Within. You can pick it up on Amazon and wherever books are sold. And before we jump into this really fascinating conversation, let me remind you that we have a brand new website at thetappingsolution.com and you can also download a free tapping in the morning and evening for stress relief CD. We also redesigned the whole site so you can easily learn more about tapping in the science and research. You can also discover a lot of great tapping meditations that are completely free that you can tap along and experience the results. So check that out at thetappingsolution.com. And if you love this episode, share it with your friends, especially your girlfriends. This information, I'm telling you, it is so helpful to understand your cycle and how it impacts your mood, your energy, and how to use that information to schedule your life. You're going to love it. Enjoy. And if I was right and you do love it, spread the love. Share it with those you love. Thanks, guys. Enjoy. Welcome, Latham. Thanks for being with us. 
Oh my gosh, thank you so much for having me, Jess. Well, this is one of my favorite topics, and we haven't addressed it at all yet on the podcast. Um, you know, I am like a self-help junkie for, I, for mm. a long time. Like I have read self-help books for so long, and my goal was always to be as productive as I could be 100% of the time. Like I thought mm. that's what we needed to reach for on how to like mm-hmm. increase productivity. And then I began to learn from your work and other work that that kind of thinking can really hold us back in creating what we want. Can you talk about that frame of mind and how your work kind of shifts uh, the perception and and shows us a different alternative? Yeah. Um, Well, first of all, I just want to say, like, thank you for having me and thank you for holding space for these kind of conversations um, because this is a, a platform that you created for people to find fulfillment and to ask, ask and answer questions of themselves. And so this is a really safe space for us to explore this. So I'm really grateful to be here. Thank you. Um, so I think that um, much of what we've learned, whether it's through socialization, through um, popular culture, um, value systems that were sort of put placed upon us from our parents or from, you know, and in, in other ways, really has created this sense for, especially for women, that um, our kind of, um, you know, the, the, the way that we structure our lives around goal setting and around achievement and what success looks like is um, largely from a male um, paradigm. And what I mean by that is that there's sort of like this linear succession in terms of how we move ourselves, whether that's up a corporate ladder or some sort of success chain that we see ourselves like participating in um, on this hamster wheel of kind of constantly doing, um, hustling, this slaying, killing, this kind of like, you know, thought process, even in the words that we use, like, you know, um, like someone's beasting and killing it and hustling, like these ideas that are really um, quite uh, forceful and really like about um, outward expression. And really the focus that I like people to put upon male and female is on um, really the opposite in terms of creation is um, and, and creativity is really the opposite. It's about nurturing and cultivation and slowing down and paying attention and really um, being thoughtful in the way that we move through life and, and the way that we actually move towards the things that we want to achieve. And I think there's a different um, message that we should be sending about achievement that it's, it's, you know, highly personal in terms of like what matters to you. Right. And I think that, you know, so many of us are holding like ideals that we see, um, you know, make sense for other people as our own. Mm. And I'm trying to, um, sort of get us to debunk that a bit and also let go of our attachments to wanting things for people that they don't want for themselves, meaning like family members, friends, other people in our lives, because sometimes we're going through our own personal journeys and we're so fulfilled and so cracked open and then people around us are not. And so we're trying to force them to grow along with us when really like this journey is, um, is solo. Like if this journey is one that you're meant to take, um, supported, but also 
largely alone, where you can really explore the recesses of these aspects of yourself that have, that have been left like unnurtured and pull them into the fold and like embrace the darkness and and figure out for yourself, what is it that I really want? Who is it that I want to be? How do I want to show up in the world? And these kind of questions and this kind of self-inquiry, it requires you to like slow down and listen and pay close attention to yourself and use um, ritual and self-care practice to go deeper and to, you know, like soften into yourself and, and really like, I guess, return home to yourself. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, I think that's what I'm, you know, sort of calling women to do, you know, to, to return home to themselves and really look at, you know, what it is that we're holding sacred. And does that really, is that really important to me? Asking ourselves and constantly using um, your GPS, you know, your sort, I call it a glow power system, but it's really like our intuition to, to recalibrate um, along the way, because sometimes you start off and then you switch directions along the journey and you don't look back to assess where you are to make sure that you you're discerning whether or not you still want to be on that path. Maybe there's like a different turn you have to make along the way. So assessment. So, um, I think it's largely, you know, sort of debunking this idea that we're supposed to be hustling and, you know, pushing ourselves. And I think women are doing too much. If you ask me, I think we need to slow down. I think we need to, um, you know, take time for reflection, especially around, you know, these cycles that um, really affect our bodies and, you know, as a result, like our, our lives and, um, and use the, the living energy universe and all of the um, thrust that the, the cosmos has to support us, like use that and, and work with it rather than against it. Right. And, um, and I think that if we do that and that, and if we sort of like flip this, this script of, um, you know, this, this matrix that we're already in and try to look at like how you can turn some things in your favor that you will, you'll feel more fulfillment and and more relaxed as you, you know, move through, move through life. One of the things that I love about your work, Latham, is that you really look into nature and into the natural rhythms that surround us. And even when we're talking about the seasons, it's not always spring and summer. Like there is a time for winter and for slowing down and going within. And the moment I began to understand that, I stopped fighting myself because what would happen was when I would want to kind of retreat and go in, I felt like that meant something was wrong. You know, like I had to fix it and figure out, no, no, how do I be more visible? How do I do more? And there is a a space for that. And I know that when it comes to women especially, it's very important to look at our own menstrual cycle and the phases of the moon. So I, I love to talk about that, how the rhythm the rhythms of nature impact us and how we should be scheduling our lives. Absolutely. So I think um, one of the gifts that we have for an internal clock, like an internal, um, you know, yeah, like calibration system is um, is our cycle and how it syncs up with the moon. And, um, you know, I know a lot of people don't put so much focus on that or like might be new to these kind of concepts. And it's okay to kind of like 
you know, in the conversation, eat the fish and throw away the bones, so to speak. So take what really resonates for you and see mm-hmm. if you can't apply it to your life um, in whatever way makes sense. So um, one of the things that, uh, especially with our cycles, that's really important is to start um what I call um, like moon mapping. And what that is, is really looking at the phases of the moon and how they sort of fall in, you know, into place in your daily life. And then also looking at where your menstrual cycle falls on um, as it relates to the, the moon cycle. So, or the moon phases rather. So um, at the beginning, so we'll start with like really you know, the shedding, because we all like are really aware of when um, we're going to bleed. So some people have either painful or symptomatic periods, maybe there's PMS or just like sort of more um, solemn mood or moodiness or, um, you know, I call it mooniness. I don't think it's moody. (laughs) I think it's really just like, you know, we're attuned to like the pressure changes in the air and the forces that are on the earth that are also, you know, uh, pulling on us and all the waters in our body since we're like, you know, 75% water and we're affected by that. Plus we're trying to do too much, right? So when we slow down, we find that, you know, a lot of the symptoms associated with um, exertion kind of falls to the wayside or they diminish a little bit, which is really important because that's another biofeedback, a way that your body uses biofeedback to communicate with you that this is working, you know, or I need you to do less of this or more of that. Right. Right. So, um, so that's really key is when you design your life around these cycles. So one of the things that's easiest to do and that I encourage everyone to do from the beginning is to, um, if you're having a regular cycle where you can pretty much, you know, tell when it's coming, you can get your calendar out and for the next three months ahead, just map out in red on your calendar when you will be bleeding. So whether that's the three, five to seven days, whatever that looks like for you. And you map that out in red. As you're scheduling things, right, that happen in your days, um, things that that uh, require a lot of cognitive energy, for instance, like where you have to think a lot and do a lot of um, – you know, sort of, uh, strategy, things like that. Even planning a party, you know? Yes. Planning a party where you have to figure out like who to invite and what to get and lists and things like that. And, you know, anything like to do stuff, right? Like where there's things that will likely be forgotten. Like, don't do that as you're leading up to your cycle and in your cycle in the first few days, right? Because it just takes a lot of energy. You feel, um, you start to think like these thoughts of like, Um, oh, I'm resenting that I committed to this, you know, like you start to second guess yourself and think there's something wrong with you when really your body is like, girl, I just want to be like laid up in bed, watching Netflix, having like some miso soup, you know, getting my back rubbed. You know what I mean? It's like your, your body just wants you to like, listen to the fact that this time, you know, we would be dreaming more, we'd be sleeping more, we're losing blood, right? So um, it's a time that your body wants to, uh, to, to be nurtured. And so this is our time to, to mother ourselves, to nurture ourselves, to really embrace self-care so that we can fortify ourselves for the other sides. When we come out the other side and we stop the bleeding, 
And then we're starting in our build-up phase where we're rebuilding the uterine lining and things like that. So Leighton, let me sorry interrupt you for just a moment because I want to uh, ask you about this scheduling thing. I know that you you live and you work in New York. You work with a lot of women who are, who are very busy, and I can imagine that you get people who are a bit reluctant to take things slow. Um, it yeah. feels feels wrong to them. They're scared that there's going to be negative consequences. When when women have actually done this, what's the other side? I mean, obviously, it feels nice to keep to slow down. But in the grand scheme of things, how has it changed someone's life in the way that they move in the world? Yeah, well, I've seen like hundreds of women, whether it's in corporate settings, um, primarily in the corporate settings where I feel like it's most, the work is most important and where I see the most uh, challenge around people committing to themselves uh, to to take time, um, where, you know, painful or symptomatic periods have subsided, where people have gotten regular periods, where they're missing Mm -hmm. cycles, um, where people have had an increase in libido or in self-confidence. Um, I've seen people be able to translate this, uh, this confidence in, in listening to their bodies to being able to make better decisions or speak up for themselves when the boardroom, when making decisions that are, um, you know, where they have to speak up and defend themselves or to sponsor someone who's not in the room, speaking up for someone who's not there, um, in a way that, um, you know, allows them to use their status to protect or to elevate another woman or another person. Um, So it's like, it's not just about, you know, this idea of, oh, I'm just going to indulge and have a spa day. It's really about boundaries and it's about, you know, listening and it's about attention and it's about building confidence and, and um, an understanding of, of the intimate topography that is your body. And when you have that understanding and that trust and that awakened, um, like working knowledge of how you feel your best. And when you take that time for yourself so that you feel confident when you go back into whatever it is that you're doing, then it's like, nobody can tell you anything. It's Mm -hmm. the same. What I see with women when they give birth in the way that makes them feel empowered when they come on the other side, it it bleeds into other areas of their life, this maternal satisfaction. Right. And so the same thing with like these cycles whereby, you know, we can use this time that we have to be creative. Like you can do anything that's like more, um, you know, like doodling and drawing and um, journaling, meditation, prayer, you know, singing, light movement, not anything crazy. Like I definitely am like totally against things like boot camp classes and, and intense exercise um, leading up to and on the first few days of your period, you should just chill. Like you don't need, your body is already working super hard and you're bleeding. So it's like slowing down in that way. And when I say slow down, it's not like, doesn't mean you're not doing anything in every single second of every minute of every hour and every day, our bodies are constantly working to keep us like in an homeostasis. So in just the second that passes 800 trillion actions are happening on a cellular level to keep you just breathing and to keep you where you are. So there's so much happening. And so I think that if we kind of like go take it down to the micro, micro level and understand that like 
we're like walking living miracles and to be able to stay in this frame of being where we feel where we feel fulfilled in our work, where we feel like we have energy, where we can sustain ourselves and 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 be in relationships that feel um, we're in right relationship with ourselves, but also the people in our lives, our partners, like all of this, we still have to pour in our pour into ourselves. Right. And so that's counterintuitive, of course, because our entire lives have been about taking care of other people. And you know, some people more than others based on like how their upbringing was and what cultural messages were, you know, sort of playing for them. But in general, pretty much all women need to work on this. We all have to work on it. And so this is a really amazing time monthly that allows you to do that. It allows you to pour back into yourself. It's like built in, you know? Latham, on a practical uh, level, I know that everyone has a different menstrual cycle. It's not the same amount of days. So if a woman wants to begin to track her own cycle, which is unique, do you have any suggestions, like whether it's an app or a website or a way to calculate it that helps us then put it in our calendar? Absolutely. So there are um, a couple of different ways to, and and we usually um, talk to women who are, you know, on their fertility journey. So they're looking to understand ovulation and so forth. So I would say the first thing before using any apps and stuff like that, because I believe that apps are great, but they're also like a really, um, they're kind of like a, a crutch, right? Because mm-hmm. you don't really have to learn anything because the app tells you everything. So I'd like you to use that as a second layer, but the first layer of understanding, and um, I talk about this in the book, is like really understanding your unique um, topography, your body parts, and understanding how they work. So first, um, for many people, you know, we come to know our bodies through um, arousal and intimacy and in, you know, whether that's in partnership with someone else or, you know, by yourself, you know, you learn your body parts, learning like what the incredible, um, erectile network is. And so what I mean by that is when you're aroused, um, women have pound for pound, the same amount of erectile, uh, tissue that men have. Ours is just internal. So understanding when you're turned on and, um, how your body changes, how, um, this vestibular bulbs engorge and how things change, right? So that you can know when you're actually ready to have sex and what it takes for you to be aroused enough to have sex. Like understanding all of that is super important. And that's one layer. Um, the next layer I would say is to, um, to really understand, to come to understand like how the, um, cycles work is to study your um, fluids, your secretions. And so um, at different points and ba- different points along the cycle, you'll have a different um, viscosity, which is basically like the sort of thickness of your secretions. And so as you um, after you bleed, the secretions are really thin and uh, watery. And as you move towards um, ovulation, they get thicker and there's actually um, a fluid that's called spin, which is like uh, when you press your thumb and index finger together and separate it where it kind of makes like a string. And that's like this, uh, it's called viscosity, it's called viscous. And that viscosity of the spin will let you know that you're moving into ovulation. Mm 
right? And so mm-hmm. if you're trying to move towards um, pregnancy, then that's a really great time for you. If you're trying to avoid that, then that's a really great information <laughs> for you as well. You know, um, right. especially if you're in a in a relationship whereby you're not necessarily using protection or you're using different types of protection, um, it's good to know um, so that you can really be aware of your body and how it works. Now, those secretions also um, change based on stress level, things like that. Um, but I, I would say also, you know, if you want to sort of regulate, if your cycle is, um, you know, kind of, um, what you perceive as kind of all over the place or like not as in sync. Um, so if some people have their cycles that come, um, you know, infrequently, there's a couple of things that you can do. A lot of us spend time on smartphones, which exposes us to certain types of light. It's like um, LED light, and um, it really throws our body off, our circadian rhythms, which are our natural you know, rhythms, our natural sort of internal clock that tells us when to go to sleep and when to wake up. And so um, you can sync these rhythms by um, keeping your home exposed to sunlight um, during the day and daylight hours. And, um, and in the dark, complete darkness during the nighttime. So you can shut, like if you have curtains that can protect any light leaks, that'll keep you completely in darkness because we live in cities sometimes and, you know, we're not in complete darkness even at night because there's street lights, right? So this, um, and then also like you can minimize sunglass use and things like that. Um, during ovulation, keeping lights dim or having candle lights at night also can really help you with syncing your cycle. Um, Another thing, we're so blessed to be sort of still in this uh, halo of the full moon um, and that we had a little full moon baby the other day. (laughs) And um, which is, I mean, this is like you design your life around these moons when you're expecting babies. But um, so basking in in the moonlight is really something that we used to do in ancient times, but the moonlight plays a very important role in our, in our rhythms. And if you can't see the moon, like if you live in like New York city where your moon (laughs) is blocked by probably a towering building, um, then you can put a, an, an, a, a light bulb, maybe like a hundred Watts. Um, and you can have that on during the five to six days of that full moon halo and um, and then sleeping in complete darkness for the rest of the month. Right. right? So it's getting as close to nature and what our ancestors experienced as yes. possible to connect with that rhythm. Yes. Yeah. So Latham, when we have our period, if that's the time to slow down and ask questions and be creative, when is the time to take action, to speak up, to, to take a up. chance? Yeah, to turn <laughs> up. When we want to be so more productive and go, yeah, when's the turn up time? Yes. Okay. So turn up time is an ovulation. And this is a time where you have your confidence, where you feel really, um, you know, outwardly expressive. Even people who self-identify as introverts feel more outspoken during this time. Um, We also have a very interesting thing that happens during ovulation and that we become more physically attractive. So our normal symmetry in our face is the same, but there's a rosiness and flushness in the cheeks. There's like a warmth and glow over the face that looks like you just recently had sex, even if you have not. (laughs) And 
it's and it's attractive to um you know anyone who sees us they can see that but they can also there's pheromones and so people know that we're ovulating without even knowing that we're ovulating right so it's not like you're saying it but it's like you're giving off that that energy of estrus right so suddenly it's like when you see these these um you know, when people say, oh, the cat's in heat or this, when whoever's in heat, it's like people can just tell, right? If they're like, oh, you know, she has this, this energy about her. Um, it's also a time where we have um, more confidence, right? So you might say, um, like when you're on your period, I know for me, if I'm bleeding, I'm not probably wearing like the tight dress and whatever, cause I feel bloated and like not as, you know, not like walking with my shoulders back in the same way necessarily. But when it, when I'm ovulating, I'm like, give me that dress. You know what I mean? Like I'm ready to put that on, like put my heels on, right? It's like you feel just more apt to, to dressing in that way to, um, to be more outwardly expressive. And it's also a time where if you're in a, um, we're talking about like launching and, you know, and making it happen kind of energy, this is a time where you're coming into like your harvest. So it's like, it's aligned with like the fullness of the moon, right? The, the, um, ovulatory phase. And so this is a time where if you have to give a presentation or do a speech or ask for a raise, these are all great times to do that. Um, and to basically use this halo of your, you know, most fierce and uniquely feminine attributes to draw to you what you want most and to, and also to not only, you know, in the, in the earlier phases, we're sort of creating a vacuum for everything to come. And then now is like you stepping out, like you said, and, um, and turning up. Right. And so this is when you can, can dial that energy back up. And doesn't mean that in these other areas that you cannot do that. It just means like, if you're somebody who feels depleted already, that you're not on the side, you're, you need to get back on this side of the nurturing and stuff. So you can feel fortified that when you move into, you know, these phases, particularly the ovulatory phase where you feel like full on to be able to actually embrace that feeling and, and know what to do. In right. That, so it's know? like the, the experience that we had during our period fuels, like if we really nourish ourselves, then, then when we ovulate, we're even more in our power because we've nurtured ourselves. Right. Now, the, one of the reasons I think this is so important is I know a lot of people have this experience and they might not link it to their cycle where they have a certain time where they're feeling really confident, they're really productive, they're doing great, getting things done, and all of a sudden they feel like they fell off the wagon. You know, they're, they feel a little bit more vulnerable, they're slowing down, and then we panic and we're like, what's wrong with me? I, like, I was doing so well and we get so hard on ourselves mm-hmm. and for me... I think the word I would use is freedom. When I learned about this, it created this freedom where I always feel vulnerable before my period. That's the best way I put it. I just feel vulnerable. I feel sensitive. And now I don't need to fix that. And right. that's liberating. Oh, I love that. It's so beautiful. Yes. Right. I mean, our vulnerability is really um, our strength. And if we think about, you know, everyone that is listening 
to your podcast and the people who are coming here to listen to you are women who are at the threshold of change, right? Like these are people who are embracing like their most powerful version of themselves, but also like really holding their vulnerability and, and still moving forward through life. Right. And so it's, it's both faces, right? Like you cannot be powerful if you're not vulnerable. And I think that if you can embrace and see your vulnerability as an opportunity to really come to know yourself in a deep way, then it's like, really, you, you can, you can access your power in any situation. Like nobody can take that from you. Yes. Well, Latham, tell us about your new book. Cause all this information that I'm sharing, all these questions I have because I finished reading your book, Own oh. Your Own Glow. It's fan- Congratulations. Thank you. First of Own all. Your Glow. Um, yeah. So own Your Glow, A Soulful Guide to Luminous Living and Crowning the Queen Within. So it's really just a, um, I call it like an elixir. I feel like it's just a um, a way for me to hold women's hands in the way that I do as a birth doula, um, to hold women's hands in the same way, but like along this journey of reclaiming, um, our, like coming home to ourselves, you know? and reclaiming our bodies as the most sacred vessel to embrace self-care as a pathway to empowerment and to really explore, you know, these unique feminine attributes that we have and how they can contribute to, you know, creating the life of our dreams. And, you know, sometimes it's not even a life that we dreamt yet, but it's one that like it's beyond, you know, once we really start to fall in love with ourselves. And so it explores a lot of different areas um, that I believe are inextricably connected that um, just really help us tell a story of who we are as women and um, and to actually not be afraid of, of being women. I think mm. that, um, you know, so much of what we learn in society is is struck, is sort of setting us up to like, compete as good men. You know what I mean? Yes. Like we're, we're setting ourselves up to like, you know, when we look at measuring, um, you know, our successes. And when we also look at the idea that we're even, you know, this, even the questions of like around equality, like we are not equal. Um, we're complementary, but I'm sorry, like men cannot do what we do to make babies. And I mean, like all the things that we can do, they cannot. And there's similar things that there's other things that men can do that we cannot. And it's just what it is, right? There's just natural things that aren't possible. And there's also things that yes, like we can do, but it's not about proving that we can also do some things that they can, or we're also capable of doing these things. I think that that's like the wrong question to be posing. Mm. Um, I don't think that there's a reason for that. It's like, you don't say to a dog, like, look how this cat was able to hop over this fence. Like, and you can't do that. You know what I mean? Like, we're not putting them, you know, or like, we're not asking, you know, a cat to like swan dive out of the sky, like an eagle can. They're different. Like they're not equal and they have different, you know, qualities and strengths and, um, and powers. And we have an inherent, inherent superpowers that make us who we are. And that's enough. We don't have to measure up against what men can do and to see if we can do it better or just as good. I think that 
we are pushing ourselves to compete in structures and in settings that were not designed for us or in our well-being and for us to thrive. And yeah. so when we compete in these environments, it's sort of like if you expect a man to come in an environment that was not designed for him and expect him to thrive. It's like there's challenges that come up for either side, right? And because we're working in a framework that was designed for men, we're, we, we experience certain challenges. And instead of saying, let's change the structure, we're like forcing women to bend and become different versions of themselves so that they can compete. And the ones who get through, and, and I'm not saying that there aren't tons, there's tons that have cracked the code and have succeeded, whatever that means for them, right? And a lot of those same people are not happy. And a lot of those same people are like coming to our offices because they're having troubles like with their bodies or with certain you know, biological functions that they would really love to have an understanding around, particularly with fertility and things like that. So it's not to say that you can't do these things, but it's like, why do we want to do these things? Like, what is it that we were told that makes us think that if we can do it, then we'll be accepted or we'll be loved or we'll be enough? Like, what is the message, right, around women thinking that they're not enough just doing the things that they love or they're not enough if they go over here and do you know, like somebody who wants to be, I talked to this woman, she was like, I wanted to be a massage therapist, but you know, I was really good. You know, I just came straight out of school. I was really good at statistics. I went into finance, whatever. And I did that because I was good at it. And everybody kept saying I was good at it. And then she realized like, I'm living for the validation, right? Like people, I have, that's the only way I'll be loved is if I do something that's good. And if people recognize that I'm good and this good girl mentality and this idea of this archetype that like we have to be good, you know, um, this is really messing us up. And so um, I, I just wanted to write something that would help women examine themselves without like having to necessarily sit in a therapist chair, which I believe in, by the way, and I advocate for, but to do some sort of self inquiry so that when you get in these places where you want to go deeper, that you have a context, you know what I mean? And you have um, a framework for what it is that you want to kind of offload and let and, and release. And what is it that you want to like, you know, turn dial up, like you were saying, turn up more. Right. And we need to turn up in certain aspects of our lives. And then other areas we need to dial back because we're really, we're very skilled at doing a lot. We're very skilled at hustling. We're very like all these things that we were taught, like we're good at, we've, we're, we've been doing them, but now it's time to look at the value of what's uniquely feminine about us and embrace that and allow that. that to shine. And men too, like men need to also use a lot of feminine processes to come to understand like how to cultivate something and grow it and, and launching something, even around business. A lot of the things I talk about in the most highly successful businesses are practicing a lot of these concepts. They're not calling them feminine, but they're uniquely feminine. And so I think that, you know, it's just to shift culture. I think we have to start that. I know like you're all about that, you know, like you guys shifted culture around what people believe that they could take their own health into their own hands and examine themselves like using tapping mm -hmm. and, you know, and, and use a modality for self healing. That's empowering. Like we're just talking about, you know, the same stuff, like asking women to examine themselves and to go deeper and to listen to the feedback that their bodies give them. 
I love it. So the book, again, is called Own Your Glow. And they can pick it up anywhere, right, where books are sold? Pick it up anywhere where books are sold. Pick it up anywhere. I want to squeeze in two quick questions, if I can, Latham, which is two questions I like to end with. Can you share with us something that at the time felt horrible but ended up becoming a really big blessing? Mm -hmm. So I would say – the first, yeah, something that felt horrible but was a blessing was that um, when I was, uh, my son was three at the time, and I was with my son's father living together, and I knew that we had to end the relationship. It was not feeding me. I felt constricted. I felt like um, a planted, a, a pot, I mean, a plant inside of a pot that was outgrowing the pot Mm. and there was that constriction and you know, when you repot a plant and you realize that it was strangling itself because you see all the roots entangled in the shape of the pot. It was like that. And I knew that I needed to go. And I remember, um, being on the subway from Brooklyn heading to my home in Harlem and crying the entire train ride, just the tear, my, my entire shirt was wet. I knew I had to say, I knew I had to leave and I walked in the house and, um, I remember he said, um, and that like minutes after I got back, he was like, we need to break up. And I, and something inside of me spoke up and said, yes, we need to break up also. Right. And he, I think was astounded that I was like saying that. Cause I think, I think he thought he was going to use, you know, control over me to kind of force me into being like, no, I want to stay or whatever. And I spoke up and I remember I gave him timeframes on when to leave and everything. And, you know, we very, um, you know, very, in a very amicable way, um, separated. And, but I remember the anxiety around being a single mother because I was raised by a single mom. So I was really nervous about becoming one. I didn't want that. And I, I felt, um, actually ashamed at the time. And, um, and then I also remember the idea of, um, you know, how am I going to support myself, my kid, like do all these things after having been essentially, um, a stay home mom, a stay at home mom, as well as, um, like I was doing contractor work, like I was taking on contracts, like more like in freelance capacity while my son was small. So I spent most of my time with him, which was amazing, which was such a gift. But then it was like now I was being thrust into having to, um, you know, move in the workforce. And I've always been an entrepreneur ever since I graduated college. But I didn't know at the time if I just felt really um, – afraid. Right. Mm. And I was thrust into action because of circumstances that I knew that I couldn't not have a roof over my head for my son. I knew I had to succeed. And I built the business of Mama Glow um, only because I had the space from being out of the relationship. I would never have been able to build what I was able to create um, in these last like, you know, 10 years, if I was still in a relationship, it was horrible at the time. It just felt awful. You know, the separation process, you know, just like moving him out. And then that whole time of like really discovering who I was. Um, 
it was challenging because I didn't have the time to just like journal and be like, who am I and what's going on and how do I feel? And I didn't have time because I was now like, you know, rent was due on the first of the month and these things were happening and my son's little tuition for his school and all these things were happening that weren't going to like fix themselves or, or go away on their own. And so I would say like for anyone who feels like they're in a situation where they can't see the other side, where you just can't see outside, like what it could look like, what your life could be, um, to know that the solution is on the other side, but you have to have the confidence and be ready, like not a second before, but when you're actually ready to cross a threshold and to know that when you go there, that you'll be supported because the universe rewards courage. Mm. And I know that for me, like I had to have the courage to leave so that I could create the foundation for the life I was meant to have. And, um, I never could have done that unless, unless I left. And so that was a very hard thing to do at the time. But now I can't even like now I can't even remember what it was like before. Right. Well, it seems like a, a like a blessing in disguise in the sense that it was the catalyst to so many amazing things. A hundred percent. It was definitely it's like, you know, in the moment you're like drowning and like, you know, kind of grasping for air. And on the other side, you're just like relieved, like you're taking deep breaths in relief. And so. Yeah. I think we have to, you know, appreciate all that. I, I agree. And the last question, which is a, just a silly fun one, but I'm curious because you're so connected with nature and mother nature. If you could be any animal, what would you be and why? Oh, I love that question. So um, I really identify with birds and I, it's like, they just show up, you know, feathers show up for me and, you know, feather symbology is big in my life, but I really love, um, in particular the hummingbird. Mm. I just think that it's such a beautiful little, um, bird. And the fact that it, it's heartbeat just is constantly going and its wings are constantly going. And, um, what happens is that, it, um, it, it's a pollinator, you know, and, um, it helps to participate in the, um, in the proliferation of the flowers that we all get to enjoy. And so I love that, um, you know, as much as it suckles nectar and goes, you know, from place to place, it also leaves something behind. And so I believe that, um, that is what we do in this world, you know, in our work, I believe you do this too, that, you know, we come in and, um, we pour, you know, some of ourselves into something and, um, you know, we uptake, you know, the love that's waiting there for us. And then we also leave something behind and we, and then we spread it to the next place. And so I think that, um, that's the one that I identify and I would just, you know, love to like, I would love to flutter around all day and just like suckle nectar and sit in the sun. Well, you do flutter around all day. I think, I think that's, you have your fair share of fluttering, but it, that's a beautiful reason and a beautiful bird. I love that. and says so much about you and your heart and your passion. Latham, thank you so much for being with us. This has been such a joy. Oh, thank you for having me, Jess. 